the Lord took the man, Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Father, please help me with this uh, the story. There's so much in there, so much of beauty, so much of worth, so much that should make our soul sing. I pray you'd help me, Holy Spirit, to communicate that uh, effectively. I pray for people to be um, hugely impacted by the beauty that is in this story, I pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So just to say, with Adam and Eve, we don't, we, it's not just the prototype husband and wife, it's the prototype man and woman. And so you may be here as someone who says, actually, I'm not a mother. Um, maybe you have no desire to be a, a mother in a biological sense. Uh, maybe you do, but you're, you're not a mother yet. Maybe you are a mother. The story of Eve is the story for all women. It's not, it, it's not just for wives and mothers. It's, it's much broader, much wider than that. So if you are here as a woman today, there, this, is, this is through Eve's eyes. Uh, we're looking at it through the eyes of, this, of, of, this, of the prototype woman. And men, please listen very, very carefully to this sermon that you might, that you might realize and value this incredible, not thing, <laughs> this incredible creature called woman that God has made, that you, that you might understand in your heart of hearts the, uh, the, the glory and the wonder of who God has made when he made Eve. So God looks at the man and he sees this need. It's interesting that God says it's not good for the man to be alone. At this point, there's a relationship with God that the man has. And yet God says, in a sense, he's still alone. There's someone else more that he needs. Now, again, we could say this is about husbands and wives, but it's wider than that. It's about men needing women. That men in and of themselves are alone. That you can have a good time, men, with your men friends for a few days and maybe do some stuff that men enjoy doing. But essentially, after a little while, you're going to become alone. There's something alone about that. There's something incomplete about that. So God looks at the man and says, it's not good for him to be like this. It's not good for him to be alone. And it's interesting that God himself doesn't try to meet that need, isn't it? In, in terms of by his own presence. God does meet the need, but not with himself. It's fascinating. God doesn't say, well, I'm God. I, I feel heaven and earth. I, I'm the creator of all things. Adam, sh- I, will, I will meet this need in and of myself. God doesn't do that. God does something else. God does something different. God says, I want to make him a helper fit for him. Now, just get, we need to get right on these terms. The word helper is an incredible word. Most of the time, this word is used to describe God in the Bible. 
It means one who surrounds. It's an extraordinary word. God is looking at the man and he's saying, I need, we need someone that's going to help this guy. This guy, we need someone that's going to bring some 360 vision to his life. This one's got a lot of blind spots. We're going to bring someone who's going to really surround him with her inbuilt ability to see things in a way that he never could. And when it says fit for him, it means that, that she will correspond to him. That there will be something of a correspondence between the two. A, a beautiful idea that obviously comes to its fullness. It is seen most graphically, most vividly as the husband and wife come together physically. But it's much wider, much broader than that. It's a correspondence that well, they're, they're the same but they're not. They're, they're different but the same, same but different. It's an incredible thing that God is about to do. And then we have this wonderful um, moment where the animals come. <laughs> and, and I'm naming them. But it, it doesn't solve the situation. All right? If you're an animal lover, it's great. I, I like animals. We've got, we've got some animals, right? But it, it's not the same. All right? It's not the same. It won't do. It won't do. Um, so sorry if, if, if um, you've thought that it would. It doesn't. It won't do. Uh, a dog apparently is a man's best friend, so they say. And um, interestingly, all the animals pass by. Adam names them. Uh, but we are told there was not a helper found fit for him. He's still alone. He's still alone. So he causes a deep sleep to fall on the man, and, and, and he removes from his side. So he takes from, he takes from, from his side. It's quite um, helpful imagery. Not, not from above. She won't be over him. Not from his feet. She won't be under him. From his side. She takes from his side. And, she, and, and then this is a wonderful phrase. She, he built her. He built her. He fashioned her. God, God Himself. He fashioned her from from this from this from the side of the man. He took care. He is. She is the work of God's hands. She is precious. She is intricately made. She is a wonder to behold. God builds her and then he brings her to him. This is why, I don't know if you've ever wondered, um, the, the, the whole idea of the, the father of the bride, the father walking the bride down the aisle, this is where it comes from. He brings, he brings her to him. He brings her to him. And he says, that's what I'm talking about. And he says, yes. And, and there's this poem, there's this poem that is, this is why if you've got a Bible, you'll see that it's written in, it's written in, in verse. It's, it's, it's a poem. She brings, it's this song. She brings out from the depths of Adam this poem, this wonder, this inspiration. He's seen her and he can't believe what he's seeing. This at last is this sense of relief. <laughs> at last. She's bone of my bone. She's, she's flesh of my flesh. Yes, she's... Yes, she's part of me. She's together. This thing is going to be amazing. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So we see relief. We see in this sense in Adam saying, yes, we correspond. We can relate as equals. This poem. And then there's this wonderful freedom and ease. They're naked and unashamed. They're not, they're, they're not worried what one another thinks of how the other one looks. They're not, they're not caught up with shame and you know, self over self-consciousness, they're, they're very at ease in one another's company in this way. What a picture. The song. 
This is how God intended it to be. And then we don't know how long, how much time elapses, but in Genesis 3 we find some, then we get to the, the bit which we have called the shame. And so we'll read that together, Genesis 3. So, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Did God say that? That was a really lame call and response, guys. I was like, oh boy. No, he didn't. He said, you can eat from all the trees. Just not that one. It's a total lie. And the woman said to the serpent, well, we, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the middle, neither touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you, you won't surely die. God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that, there was, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, oh, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you gave to be with me. She gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And then to the woman, he says, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. We're all up there with the song, aren't we? And then, oh, oh no, what happened? Let me just show you what happened here. It's a horrible thing that happened. She's targeted. She's targeted by this serpent, this creature, this crafty, cunning creature targets her. He goes for her and he begins to sow into her mind these ideas that what God has said, ah, you know what, you know what, you know what it's about God. He says these things because he's kind of insecure and he knows if you eat from that tree, you'll be just like him. So he's trying to just get you to not to because he's, he's worried about you becoming like him. And so he sows in this idea which makes her doubt and it makes her begin to think, well, maybe that's true. Maybe that's the case. It's thrown into doubt and she falls for it. Now, the tragedy here is that she begins to lean into what her eyes simply see. God has, God has spoken. But she begins to lean into, well, it looks, it looks nice. And actually, it looks like if I eat this, I could be like God. And this is a, this is a, this is a horrible moment. This is a dark moment in human history. He promises she'll, be, she'll have godlike status if she goes for this thing that looks so good. And it's a, it's a tragi- tragedy to see very often one of the things that where, where um, Satan does target women particularly very often is, is this obsession with how they, how they must look and all kinds of pressure from the outside and from the inside. If you look a certain way, you'll have God-like status. Everyone will notice you and think you're amazing. And if you just see, you can go back to the roots of these things and see where this comes from. This is not, this is not how it ought to be. He's, 
And then she draw, she, she, we're told that she takes from the fruit and she, she draws Adam into it. Now, interestingly, the Bible never, ever puts primary blame on her for this, but on him. Primary blame is put on him. They're both held to account, but primary blame on, is on him. He's there and he's silent. He's there right with her. It says that. And he's silent while this whole interplay is going on. He stands there, passive. Watches her take the fruit that he knows. Because actually God gave the command to him before he formed her. You read the text. He's got primary responsibility for this thing. And he just stands there and watches. And she passes it to him and he goes, okay. It's a terrible, terrible moment. But she, she draws him in, she offers him the fruit and he takes it. And then the result is this. It's so sad. Their eyes were opened like, like they, were, they were promised. Their eyes are opened. Your eyes will be opened. You'll be just like God. Their eyes are opened. And what happens? Ah, we're naked. What a letdown. Your eyes will be opened. You'll be just like God. It'll be amazing. You'll be able to... Eyes are opened. Oh my goodness. We're naked. And so they're promised... They've gone, they've, gone, they've gone for, I'm going, for, I'm going to be like God. They've gone for the creator. Yeah, I'm going to be just like that. And they realise what creatures they are. They realise what vulnerable people they are. Nakedness is more than about physical thing. It speaks of a sense of vulnerability, exposure. It's like, oh my goodness. And we see what they do is they sow for themselves. It's such a sad moment where they try and fix themselves. We've been doing it ever since. Fixing up. Fix ourselves. Cover ourselves up. Make a good show. What's expected of me? Okay, I'll, I'll be that. You know what? It's so way below what God has for us. It's such a counterfeit. Fixing up. <laughs> it's so lame. Sort yourself out. What, what do I do? Just cover up. And show your weaknesses. And then this awful moment where God holds them to account and, and, and Adam blank, he. They, they were together in harmony and now he's going, this woman you gave me. I mean, he throws it two ways at once. Blames woman and blames God. I was doing all right in the garden. <laughs> and then this woman you gave me, well, she came along and, and you see suddenly this is what's going on in this. What an awful situation. And then there's this, this judgment from God. The first thing is, is that a pain in childbirth will be increased. And the second thing is this thing, which you might take the wrong way if you don't understand what it means. It says, your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. What does that mean? It doesn't mean her desire will be for him in the sense that she will fancy him. That's a good thing if a wife fancies her husband. That's not part of the curse. <laughs> That's not part of the fall. Right? You'll be pleased to know. It means that she will want his role. She will want to master him in some way. She, and he will, want to, he will dominate her. It will be an ugly competition between men and women from this point in. It will be boys are better than girls. Girls are better than boys from the playgrounds upwards. That's, that's, why, that's why it's like that. That's why you see brutal oppression of women. That's why you see often manipulative attempts by women to get in the place of men. That is, that is the curse in action as a result of their sin. We had the song. Now we've got the shame. I'm sure you're ready for the saviour, right? All right, let's move on, let's move on, let's move on. Let's not dwell there too long. So let's read what, what um, God says in, to the serpent. He holds the serpent to account as well. It's interesting. They all, they all sin and um, God holds them all to account because God's, God's judgment is perfect. Okay? 
Judgment is perfect. So you might have been in a situation where you messed up, but you think it was 90% the other person's fault. Okay. Everyone, God's judgment is perfect. Everyone will be held to account in perfectly appropriate ways. Right, so Eve gets spoken to, Adam gets spoken to. We're not going to look at that today because it's Mother's Day, not Father's Day. But we're going to look at what says to the serpent because there's something amazing in here for the woman. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Now Paul's there. The Bible makes it clear that this serpent represents Satan. That it, it, it's a figure that represents the evil one. Okay, So now listen to this, it's very important. I will put enmity, that's hostility, between you, serpent, Satan, and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. Who's he? There's one of your offspring, Eve, who will bruise Satan's head. That phrase means mortally wound, destroy. And you shall bruise his heel. So in doing so, as this offspring of Eve bruises, kills Satan... He himself will be bruised, but not in a way that is forever fatal. Okay? I think there's one more bit there. And then the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Now, well now we get to the saviour. You see, in this moment here, we see that there was this moment of agreement between the serpent and Eve in the garden with the fruit. Praise God. God makes it very clear at this point, this is not to be a lasting coalition. This is not a lasting partnership. Okay? This, in this moment, God is redeeming womankind. God is, God is rescuing womankind. So if you're ever around any... I mean, it doesn't happen much, but over the, over the centuries at times, there's been some really toxic teaching that kind of throws women in a negative light. And it's just, it's, it's twisted, it's ugly, it's wrong. It is not true. God redeems the woman here in this moment. Her seed, one will come from her who will crush the ancient dragon, the one who deceives the nations, the source of all evil. One will come from you. Um, a man, if this isn't dignifying this woman, I don't know what is. Do you know what? I, in this darkest moment of human history, I want you to know one will come from you who will destroy the source of all darkness. Whoa. Lifting up the woman here. The Bible says that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he disarmed all the powers of evil and darkness. He, he held them to open spectacle. Jesus is the offspring of Eve. Jesus, Jesus is the seed. Jesus is her offspring on the cross he doesn't, just, he doesn't just pay for your and my sins and mess and mistakes. Do you know what he does? He takes on our enemy. He takes on the one who hates God and hates us, and he completely destroys him. Hallelujah. He, he deals with him. He, he mortally wounds him. He, he crushes him. He bruises his head. Now, he himself lays down his life and physically dies, but actually, when you look at it through eternal lenses, you see it's just his heel was bruised. Why? Because he rose from the dead. Three days later, and he is alive forevermore with the power of an indestructible life. So, yes, he did die on the cross, but not forever. Praise God. He's alive and is well. And so dignity and hope are restored fully to her. And then Adam gives it. He's already said she'll be called woman 
because she came from me. Woman and man sound similar in the ancient language because she came from me. But now there's this new name that's given to her. Now, please, this is really important you see this because there's this wonder, <gasps> woman, songs, poem. Then there's blame and this sort of curse. and this. But then actually this gospel promise comes in and Adam's response to it is he renames her. He gives her this new uh, this, uh, personal name, which is not just a general name for woman, but it's her name, Eve. Life giver. Wow. That's who you are. You're a life giver. You're, and the one who will bring life to all people will come through you. Adam has heard the promise of God and he believes it. I believe Adam's in heaven. I believe Adam's in heaven. Why? Because Adam heard a gospel promise and he believed it. Life giver. This is, what, this is what all women have within them. Women, you are life givers. There's something you've got that we haven't as men. There's something that you have got. You are life givers. You are able to bring life. Obviously, there's the, there's the physical sense of bringing life. But it's much broader than that. It's much wider than that. It's a special, unique contribution that only you can bring. To bring life and to... And to nurture it. And as I was preparing this, you know, it just was it's so important that you hear the word of God today. That you are honoured in this place. That you, are, that you hear God's word speak, spoken into your soul. You are no longer a victim of the evil one. You're a bringer of life. That's who you are. No matter what you've faced, no matter what you've been through, no matter what people have said, I tell you now, you are no longer a victim of the evil one. You are a bringer of life. You're a bringer of life where you go. You're a bringer of life in what you do. That is your destiny. That's your calling in God. That's who you are in Christ. That's who he's made you. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And I really wanted to speak that truth over you today. And I really wanted anyone... anyone to know who, who, who doesn't, you don't know this. You, 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 maybe you, you love the idea of the song and then you hear about the shame and you think, I'm still there. I want you to know about the Saviour today. Yeah. <laughs> There's many, many women and men in this room who have experienced being rescued from shame by the Saviour. And we want you to know that. We want you to know. We want you to leave here with more than a bit of happiness in your heart that it's Mother's Day and you've got some flowers. If you've never known rescue if you've never known that in your own life in your own soul we, we so want you to know that today so I'm going to end now just by praying um, I'd, love, I'd love to just pray for our women so um, if you're comfortable standing up and if you're a woman please stand up if you don't want to stand up that's absolutely fine no one's forced to but if you think yeah I just want to pray for you I'm not going to start doing any weird tricks thank you Lord Men, those of you that know and love the Lord Jesus, I want you, just, I want you to just pray for, pray for these women with me. Just, uh, Father, thank you so much for these women. Thank you so much, Lord, for who you have made them to be. Thank you for the, this extraordinary word, this extraordinary um, life-giving ability that you've given Lord God this unique this, this unique ability to carry and communicate in your life I mean it's extraordinary 
Just say thank you so much, Father. We're so grateful to you. Father, I want to pray that your Holy Spirit would just lead these ladies into more and more revelation of truth. That the eyes of hearts would be opened. That the eyes of hearts would be opened. That there would be a real strong, powerful sense of who you are and who you say they are. And where things have been done that have just brought destruction, Lord, and brought just dark stuff, we just want to say in this place, Jesus, you're the light of the world. And I pray that you would just bring your light. You bring your light into even the dark, darkest spots. Know that you can do that, Lord, and redeem it. Just redeem it, Lord. And we pray, Lord, for real strength and robust faith in you to grow and grow. That would just be transforming in its power, Lord. Thank you so much for just today and all, all that it means, all that it represents. Thank you for the, the physical and spiritual mothering, Lord, that has, that has gone on in all of our lives and how we've been so blessed and healed by it. Just thank you so much, Lord. We're so very grateful to you and we bless you for your presence here. Thank you for this amazing good news. Thank you, Jesus, offspring of Eve. You've come, you've done it. We honour your victory. We honour your victory in this place. Amen.